again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 10, and our special guest is the head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, uh, uh, Todd Nelson, who is also uh, basking in the glow of a championship, a Calder Cup championship. I'm sure you can't hear that enough, but uh, uh, Todd ran the camp, the development camp, for the last five days, so we're going to do a camp wrap-up. And with that, let's bring in Todd. Todd, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, I, I guess you can't hear it enough. I know I was joking with you and I said you probably never have to buy a, a meal or a drink at Grand Rapids after winning the championship. What has it been like since you won the Calder Cup? Oh, it's been fantastic. You know what, uh, the support we got from Grand Rapids all year has been great, but I think they cranked it up a notch in the playoffs. You know what, uh, in game six I firmly believe that they helped lift our bench and uh, we ended up getting the game and won a championship. But, uh, you know, the people, a lot of people showed up for the parade. We have a bit of a rally, um, you know, like it's one of those things where I've been pretty busy after that, so I haven't really had time to let it sink in, but uh, it was a very special time. You have been busy, and you know, we talked about it uh, during the playoff run. Uh, you know, we knew you would be a hot commodity, regardless of how the Griffins did as far as the NHL and coaching, and you know, you certainly have made no bones about it. You were a coach of the Oilers, and you know, you want, you want another shot. Uh, I read several pieces where uh, you thought you had a great interview with the Arizona Coyotes. You said that maybe I'm not in the running, but uh, can you share that experience a little bit? What was it like? Because you had been there before, obviously, behind an NHL bench. No, uh, you know what? Every interview has been different. Uh, and it was the same when I talked with Phoenix. And uh, the interview went great. You know what? Uh, I met with him for two days um, and basically showed. Uh, you know, my, my system work, but also uh, shared with them my philosophy about uh, building a team and winning. And, and I think it went excellent. It was just one of those things where um, at this point in time, I wasn't the right fit. Um, but uh, I definitely got a good opportunity to, to uh, speak with them. And I walked out of the interview feeling good about myself. Now, when you look at it, what's the next step? Uh, I know Griffin fans are, and, and Red Wing fans, because you're the, you're the pipeline to Detroit, so to speak. Uh, what's the next step for Grand Rapids? And do you have a, a depleted roster? Some guys move on? Or, or how does the team shape you up for next season? Well, it's going to be half and half. Anytime you have success, um, different teams want your players. And uh, we're definitely seeing that uh, after we've won. Um, but we have some returning players, um, you know, that are big parts of our team. You know, Eric Tangretti. Um, depends if these guys get sent down or not, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, Ben Street. Um, you know, uh, you know, we'll see if Tyler Bertuzzi makes the Red Wings next year. So there's a lot of questions going into uh, training camp. Um, you know, we got some good young players that are coming in. Looks like uh, Philip Romick's going to be um, probably with us, and Billy uh, Billy will be with us. But like, it happens like that every year. There's, there's always a lot of turnover, but uh, we've seen a lot more of it this year just because we won. You know, one situation which could be real dicey for you would be goaltender because Ken Holland has said. The Red Wings, because of Mrazek and Jimmy or Jimmy Howard and uh, uh, Jared Carroll, who's out of options, that the Red Wings are not going to carry three goaltenders. And so you would the assumption is, is obviously it's going to be Jimmy Howard and Peter Mrazek up in Detroit, meaning that Jared would have to clear waivers. He may not clear clear waivers. I mean, is that I know you probably don't have sleepless nights. You know how that's how the game is. But uh, are you a little bit concerned what might happen in that for you? I think the organization is a bit concerned because that could be a possibility. Um, we're hoping that uh, in all the NHL training camps that the goaltenders stay healthy, uh, but that's a possibility. Uh, you just uh, never know. 
Um, last year he lost two, two players on waivers. You know, uh, Paul Finn was coming down. He got claimed and so did Martin Furt. We ended up getting Martin Furt, Martin, Martin Furt uh, back. But um, there, there could be a situation where that could happen. So in order for us to protect ourselves, you know, we signed so much, some other goalies. And um, so we feel pretty comfortable right now. You know, Red Wing fans are salivating at the prospects of Tyler Bertuzzi because he seems to have that grit and edge that, you know, the city of Detroit in general is kind of known for. Uh, what can you tell us about him? His game actually, as, as you've stated before, really is a playoff style of game. Uh, do you think he has a legitimate shot at, at making the Red Wings and what can Red Wing fans expect? I think he has a great shot. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, it's up to him to come to training camp ready to go. I think um, uh, anytime you win a championship, and Tyler was a big part of that, and, uh, you know, like he, he scored big goals. And if he can... Um, translate that into the, the regular season and be more consistent with him. He has an excellent shot to play up in Detroit. So uh, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about your coaching philosophy before we get into the camp, you know, but, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, pedal to the metal, uh, you know, uh, all out. I mean, it's, a, it's an aggressive style. And, and I read an interview, I think it was in The, the, the Athletic, where you said that, in order, you like the aggressive kind of risky type of hockey, which is really great to watch, yet the team has to buy into it. Is it an easy sell or do you have to really look at your roster and say, as much as I want to do this, I may not have the guys to do it, so you, you know, your job basically yeah. is to put your team in the best position to win or each player. It, is, I know they probably want to play it, but do you have to tell, you know, is it, when do you decide how you're going to coach, if that makes um, any sense? Well, personnel plays a factor in that, but I've had many different teams. I've had blue-collar teams that weren't that skilled where we had to win games two to one. Uh, you know, last year was, was a hockey team that uh, provided a lot of offense. Our power play was really strong. So um, it doesn't really matter, believe it or not. Uh, I played the same style uh, with every team that I've had in the American Hockey League, but also up in Edmonton. And uh, obviously when I was in Edmonton, the personnel wasn't as strong. Uh, we were going through a tough time there. And uh, so, you know, 28 teams were, be were better than, than our team in the standings, but we played that style. And, uh, but it's during each game that you have to put your finger on it. If it's not working, you have to make that adjustment. And uh, so, you know, the biggest thing for me is getting buy-in from all the players. And uh, that starts with, uh, you know, right from the start of training camp, uh, you know, communicating with every individual. Um, I try to make it a point every day to talk to every player, just about something. It doesn't right. necessarily mean about the game of hockey, but uh, where'd you go for dinner last night or what'd you do? Um, you know, just trying to gain that trust and uh, trust and respect. And, and so then when I implement something, uh, it's a lot easier to sell. And, Obviously, like, um, you know, winning a championship, when new players come to our organization, they'll say, well, this guy's had success. And so it's a bit of an easier sell. So it's an, it's an everyday process where you're, you're communicating with your players, holding them, holding them accountable at the right times. But, uh, you know, we, we play two different styles. And we, in a game, we might switch two times during a game just based on um, our fatigue level. Are, are we getting up the ice? If we're not getting up the ice, we'll have to be more passive. Um, but I like to play aggressive. I want to force teams to beat my teams. Um, you know what? Uh, I hate sitting back, to be quite honest with you. Um, 
you know, the, the term weathering the storm doesn't sit well with me. I want to fight fire with fire. And uh, so basically, I don't want our team to have the mentality of waiting for something bad to happen. We want to dictate play. You, you said, you touched upon something that I find interesting. I, I think it was Phil Jackson that every year, uh, once his roster is set, he gives each player a book to read. Mm -hmm. Based on it, he, uh, the, their personality, a book he thinks they would enjoy, yeah. uh, because he wants to get them to know as, know themselves as a person, and, and you know, and that seems to be your philosophy too. As you said, I talk to guys each and every day. It's that they're just not a commodity. They're just not a, a hockey player. And when you want to make a connection, and when you want them to buy into your system, you have to treat them like a human being. Of course, you know what? I have an open door policy. Um, I tell them right from the start of training camp. Look, if you have an issue with anything, but uh, I said, come in and talk to me. And I said, if you don't feel comfortable talking with me, you can talk, uh, grab one of the assistants, let's nip things in the bud. And you know, if a, if a player's not playing well during a stretch of time, like, I'll pull him in and ask him what's wrong with his personal life. And if it's nothing going on with his personal life, uh, then obviously we have to fix it as coaches and work with them through video. But uh, you'd be surprised. I've had players uh, that were homesick. I've had players that um, were, had a girlfriend or a wife and things didn't work out and they split up and these things affect people it, it affects everybody right and so we want to make sure that um, these players know that we're family um, you know they come to the rink three or four hours a day and that's our family during that time but we also have to make sure that we get their support system away from the rink on board as well i think it's really important um, because if i'm preaching something for three or four hours and they go back home and say somebody's wife tears it down because she doesn't want to be there. She doesn't, it's, uh, it's late May, she wants to get home. Uh, all these things play a factor. That's why you have to buy them, not only from the players, but th their support staff. One player that I was fascinated with, and we've talked about before, is Dylan McElrath, who signed a two-year yeah. deal. Uh, I, I, I like uh, when you brought him up for the first time during the playoffs, uh, or at least the Western Conference Final, when I was there, you said, he makes everybody on our team a little bit taller. How mm -hmm. essential having a player like Dylan McElrath, who is, has skill, but is a bit of an enforcer as well, to play the style that you like? It was vital for our, our hockey team. We didn't have, we had gritty players, but when we played against teams like Cleveland, um, Milwaukee, teams in our division we see quite often, they had some meet to their lineup and we didn't have an answer and I, I didn't want any of our skilled guys to be getting in those situations so once we got him uh, it made everybody play bigger it just it's right. just, it just the way it was um, you know our our uh, skilled guys could you know finish their checks at all times they don't have to be worried about uh, looking over their back because um, you know Big Mac did a great job and he played extremely well in the plus and I, I, I still will say that if, if we didn't get him I I don't think our team would have won. I think that he just gave a, a calming influence on the bench and gave us a calming influence in the room. And the guys know that uh, Dylan had their backs and uh, I think it brought our team closer together. He's a big guy, 6'5", I believe. Yeah. Former number one pick, 10th overall by the Rangers. Has had you know a shot in the NHL. Uh, we all mature and uh, late bloomers and you know, I'd like to think of myself, I guess, as a late bloomer. So I understand that. Do you think he has a legitimate shot uh, to at least, if injury hits Detroit, that he can come up and spell a few games? I mean, there is NHL talent there, 
Uh, do you think he has a possibility of maybe contributing to the Red Wings? I think so. We talked about it in the meetings, and and uh, one concern was always about his foot speed. But we played against uh, a really fast team uh, in San Jose, and uh, I wasn't quite sure how he was going to handle the speed, but he did extremely well. He. Uh, yeah, I think in every series he laid out somebody with a good, clean, hard check and kind of set the tone. And uh, you know, after that, not too many guys wanted to come down his side. You know, uh, but his if he works on his foot speed this summer, he knows that. And if he just gets a bit quicker in those areas, so he doesn't get exposed, then he has a chance for for sure. Okay, let's let's now turn to the camp. Yeah. I know that uh, this is the first time that Sean Horkoff ran. Yeah. I know that you've. The Grand Rapids coach, Jeff Blaschel, I've seen, you know, usually runs this camp. Uh, can you describe, uh, because you were on a whirlwind, you were interviewing yeah. for jobs and, you know, you win a championship. Uh, how much preparation do you, did you have to do in order to, uh, and was it different because Horkoff is new, essentially, yeah. to this process. So was this uh, a learning experience for you as well, or did you go in feeling pretty confident that you knew exactly what to do? You know what, I talked to Hork about this uh, a month ago, or just, you know, we're talking about development camp and how we wanted to approach it. And every camp's been a bit different. When Yuri was running it, there's things that were um, different. Um, and, 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 like, they've all been good. But, um, you know, for instance, this camp, I think we went, we went a day shorter, which was really good. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where I think we're learning as we go. I think Sean did a great job. But from my standpoint, all I had to do is get my coaching staff together along with Toledo's and uh, just uh, make up four or five practices. And uh, so that's pretty simple to do. Now, you know, it was a bit tougher this year because we had 24 to 19 defensemen. So when you're running drills, it's not like a normal hockey team. And so. Uh, we had to be sensitive towards that, but uh, you know, I thought the camp went extremely well. Like I said, we're making tweaks. We're talking about next year already. What what, what can we do better? And uh, the biggest thing about this camp is if the players can get um, something from it, uh, like all the information that we provided for them, uh, the on ice, the pro habits, uh, you know, shoulder checking when you're going back hard for the pocket for a defenseman, uh, just working on the details. And as a coaching staff, we're really nitpicking everybody, but it's something that they can learn. It doesn't matter what uh, system they're playing next year. Uh, these are all habits that every hockey player needs. And, and then the off-ice stuff, um, you know, they were taught a lot about nutrition this year. Um, you know, we did a great, great job with that. Uh, they were taught um, how to work out properly because a lot of times when guys are working out in the summertime, they don't work out properly, they end up hurting themselves, or they don't prepare themselves the right way, and they get hurt in training camp. So it was a good educational camp for our guys. I think our players got a lot out of it. And it also gave us a chance to not evaluate, but just to get to know the players from the new draft picks. And also, um, we did some testing today, yesterday, today, just to get a baseline and see where guys are at. So when training camp comes in seven weeks, uh, we can see if they did, did their work and they improved. So um, these camps, are all different. Uh, you talk to different organizations about how, you, how they ran theirs. Right. So we're always tweaking it, but I think we're on the right path. They've always been been good here, but I think Sean did a great job. When you look at, when you're out there on the ice, and you know, we always hear from coaches, there's certain players that you have to, you know, give a kick in the pants to, and certain guys, that's your column, but yeah. you put your arm around them, and you know, you, you kind of nurture them a little bit. 
you're only out there for five days. I know you said, listen, you know, I remember, I just got off the ice for 45 minutes for the first time with these guys. Don't ask me anything about them. But were you, did you start to develop a rapport? And, you know, I, I know Todd, there were a lot of guys out there. You know, and did it start to come to you, though, that, you know, you started to uh, become a coach to these guys yeah. a little bit? Well, for sure. You know, we, we treated the, the on-ice sessions like we did do during the year. We had a pre-ice session, made sure the guys understood the drills. If there was a language barrier with the player, we made sure that they understood. Um, but you're always coaching. It, it's, it's, it's in our blood. You're always coaching and trying to make players better. And, you know, and you get upset if the drill gets messed up because they weren't paying attention. So you're constantly coaching. Um, but, uh, you know, with the players, it's kind of funny. You see the guys that have been here before or with me. Um, uh, Dylan Sadaway, for instance, uh, you know, he was with us all year. So if these guys have been at these camps before and they take a leadership role when they come in. It's just natural. But for the young guys that are drafted or just invites, they, you know, they're kind of guarded in the first day. They don't, they don't really know what to expect. Uh, Kenny Holland delivers a great message and um, about the camp, about the organization. And so these these new invites or the new draft picks, it takes them a couple days. And then once they get to know the staff and understand where we're coming from and how our personalities are, I think they feel a lot more comfortable. And that's what, I saw, that, that's what I've seen over the last couple of days. Well, yeah, I, I, I know it's unfair to ask you this. And I, and I know that, you know, I saw you bopping around between rings yeah. and I mean, you're, you're always moving because you're the man in charge. Uh, were there, as you said, uh, uh, Sadoway, Dylan is, was a guy that people had brought up, you know, yep. that he was a kid who, uh, you know, had, had some tough, tough moments, shall yep. we say, but, you know, he's, you liked what you saw. Any other players that kind of fit that mold too? Is it is it usually the guys who have been here for one, two, maybe possibly even three camps that you really see significant uh, improvement not only on the ice but leadership skills off the ice? Yeah, we see that all the time. And for the new kids, and there's so many of them out there, um, you know, if they come back to the camp next year, we'll see growth in them. And uh, we'll see them feel more comfortable. There will be another handful of players coming in. But is there anybody that really stood out for me? The guys that stood out were the guys that have been here before. You know, because they feel more comfortable and they're, they know what to expect. As for the new kids, I was really happy with the crop that we had coming in. Um, you know, when you have 19 defensemen at a camp, you, you hopefully you can pluck maybe three or four of those guys eventually to make, to make the National League. But, um, you know, what I saw was skill. Uh, we had a good skill set. The pace was exceptional, and also we got size, you know, versus maybe camps prior, we, did, we weren't very big as a group. This, with this camp, we had some, some really good size. You know, it seemed to be talking to Tyler Wright about this, that the one thing that the Red Wings wanted to concentrate on, and I know you brought it up a couple of times, like 19 defensemen here, is defense. That, yeah. they, that, that the organization, they understand it. You know, when, when Nick walked away, uh, that was a gigantic hole to fill, you know, that may never be filled because he's one of the immortal of the sports. But, uh, when you were talking uh, to, to Sean Horkoff about this, uh, did, he, did he tell you or Tyler or people in the organization, look Todd, I know we're giving you a bunch of defensemen, but we really, really need to hone in on this position and, you know, maybe most of the camp, maybe you want to 
really keep your eye on those guys. We were pretty detailed uh, with the defensemen. Um, you know, bringing 19 guys in here, if, um, you're hoping that you know you find the right guy to maybe advance and hopefully play for the wings. But uh, that was uh, the mandate uh, going in um, through the meetings. You know, we drafted defensemen this year. Uh, we had a lot of invites. You know, right now <clears throat> we're really pushing from that back end, and uh, you know we're, we're hoping that these players can develop and help with the Red Wings in the future. But that was pretty much the heavy emphasis. And, and as everybody knows, it's hard to find good defensemen. It's just really hard. You want, you want to have a top four. Um, but it's essential that you do, otherwise you'll fail. Um, you can plug in wingers all you want. Mm -hmm. You know they, They're interchangeable as far as I'm concerned, unless they're special and there's 50 goal scores. But you know, defense is, uh, especially in today's game, with free agency being uh, so tough now to sign free agents on, on defense, because people don't want to give them up. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're a premium, so we have to develop from within. When you look at it that way, two guys that, uh, that, that have stood out, that people have talked about, and when we have press Red Wing officials, give us at least a name or two. Two, it was uh, Philip Ronan Billy. And, and Billy Sariarvi. Yeah. And those are guys, Sariarvi, I think this was his third camp, and uh, uh, Ronick was here last year. Uh, Ronick, pretty, pretty, not a big man, let's say, uh, off the ice, but he plays big. He has an abrasiveness that, uh, that I think that, uh, I think Red Wing fans are gonna, without sounding weird, embrace. I think so, like, uh, Phil plays with an edge, but I was really impressed with their movement. Both, both are very similar. Um, both guys will be running the power play this year. Uh, you know, they're not overly big, but they're quick. When you watch the, uh, the skating tests or see them join the rush, it's pretty exciting for me because we're creating offense from the back end. And that's the game today. It's not a three-man rush. It's a four-man rush every time. And so these guys can really get up and go. And so I was very happy with the way that they looked at this camp. They just looked more mature. They just looked uh, faster, stronger. Dennis Chalowski, he put on 12 pounds, um, and he, he didn't sacrifice his speed, and this guy's smooth as silk. So um, all these guys that we had, like those three guys that we had here last year, they all improved. And, uh, and so right now I'm liking what I'm seeing. They're, they're training, they're doing things the right way. And, um, you know, Dennis put on 10 pounds since the end of the season, and it's all good muscle. So when you look at it that from, from that aspect, and, and I know that for years the Red Wings, and I actually wrote about this uh, uh, on DetroitRedWings.com, they always gave players like an individual kind of mandate or itinerary of what they would like to see them follow. And it appears, especially in Sari Arby's case, because he was supposed to get bigger and stronger, I mean, the guys that take it to heart, and uh, you know, this, and I'm going back a few years here, but they could tell, the Red Wing officials could tell from, let's say, one development camp to the next, who actually listened to them and who actually didn't. Yeah. And that is, where you really, character is defined, motivation is defined, and you know that these are guys that are serious about making it to the NHL. And it appears that Ronick, sorry, RV, uh, and, and I'm gonna mispronounce his name, Shalitnikov, or, uh, yeah. th that these were guys that have actually listened to what the Red Wings are telling them. Yeah, you know what, now it's, uh 365 days, like players at the end of the year might take a couple weeks off, but then they're right back in the gym. And uh, that's how competitive it is. Uh, 
you know, these players that are trying to make it, if you're not in the gym every day, somebody else is, and they're probably going to take your job. So um, those guys have done some great work. Uh, like I said, I've seen a lot of improvement, you know, from Dennis, from, from Billy, Philip, uh, Sadaway, even uh, Giovanni Smith, you know what, he's, he's getting bigger. Like he's, right. he's a man, um, you, know, you know, he's getting quicker. Uh, so we got to keep on pushing it, but it's up to the player themselves that they have to invest into their futures, and it's important that they have to take ownership in it. Todd, be, be, before I, I want to move a little bit to the forwards here, but there is a Grand Rapids Griffin that I am intrigued with, and I'll tell you why, because he isn't the biggest man, but he, he always was making all the Canadian junior teams, and uh, you know, he's probably had to fight and claw his way onto every roster, and that's Joe Hickett. Yeah. So, I mean, this kid seems to me, and I don't want to read into it, but he seems to be a little bit of a special player that has the, uh, you know, the heart of a, a, a lion, now maybe the heart of a champion, but he seems to understand it and, and, and gets it, and he, even though he's not big, he plays much bigger. Oh, he plays hard. He plays like he's 6'4 out there. He, he, like you mentioned, here's a kid that does have a heart of a lion. Um, you know, he played himself into a spot uh, in our lineup and was, uh, you know, like he, you can just tell that he's a winner. You know what? Uh, he goes in the corners and he battles guys that are 6'4. He, he wins that battle. He hits hard. Um, he has great timing with open ice hitting. Uh, he's, he's another guy that played some power play, but maybe not as much um, as he should have. But like uh, this year, he's taking time in the power play and he makes things happen. And the biggest thing for Joe at the start of the year is when. when um, Whenever he made a mistake, maybe the first two or three months, it was a huge one. <laughs> so by the time uh, we passed Christmas, he wasn't making those big mistakes. And so, you know, he, you know, he's, he's a quick learner. Uh, he's a leader. Um, you know, the fans love him. When you see Joe Hicketts out there, you know, because his work ethic's exceptional. But you know, within the time span of about one month, he had three of the toughest guys in our division wanted to take his head off because he pasted them on the wall. And so, uh, but, but he's, a, he's a hockey player. He makes things happen. I know that uh, at least the San Jose series, the Western Conference Championship or final, I saw him, I kind of loved it, and I know I'm really dating myself now, but when he and McElrath were paired together, they were truly like the Mutt and Jeff of the AHL. I mean, you have yeah. one guy who's a giant, and then you have Joe who is, uh, you know, plays just as large as Dylan, but it's much smaller. So it's yeah. kind of an interesting pairing. Well, that was the that was the joke we had. I was talking with Mark Howe. He goes, pair him up with Dylan McElrath and just have Hicks run around. And, <laughs> and so, like I said, Dylan made everybody play bigger. But uh, no, Joe's. Uh, you know, it's hard not to like him. You know, he's that kid that had to work his way up. He's earned everything that he's gotten, and um, once again, he was a big part of our championship team. Uh, let's turn to the forwards here. Um, I told uh, Michael Rasmussen, the number one pick, ninth overall. I was watching him, and you know, he he kind of lived up to his advanced billing, or at least what the scouting yeah. reports what we read, because he's a big kid. When he plans himself in front of the net, he has a great set of hands. And I was watching him in, t in these tip drills today with uh, uh, Petroselli, who's no slouch in net. Uh, and he wasn't missing. I mean, he seems to, and has a maturity level, um, because he's a number one pick, do you have an edict? I know you're concentrating yeah. on defense, and they say, listen, you got to really watch Rasmussen and really, you know, get, 
tell him, give him not special attention, but be aware of when he's on the ice. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I liked what I saw from him as well. Um, you know, we we try not to play favorites, of course. But right, obviously, right. obviously, like he's a high draft pick for us, and you know his size is, is exceptional. He, he's you know a young guy, but he already has the body of a man, and so we see him, you know, maturing into a pretty. Uh, really good centerman that can be very tough to play against and his skill set was good and, you know when we shot the puck it, it jumped off his stick and and uh, as you mentioned the hand-eye coordination in front of that was really good so uh, I think everybody's pretty you know, pleased with how he conducted himself. Some of the other forwards maybe uh, a couple of guys that uh, that you walked away with thinking that you know here's yeah, I can't wait to see them maybe in next year's camp, how, how, yeah. how they progress. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I, I know it's these guys out, but a lot of these kids will be coming back right. for the Traverse City uh, um, Prospect Tournament. Mm -hmm. That's where we'll see a lot of these kids uh, in, the, in a more competitive environment, uh, in a team setting. Uh, that tournament's excellent because every, you know, we have eight teams up here. It's highly competitive. That's where we'll see people separate themselves. When you look at it that way, let's go back to the scrimmage on Sunday. It started off like rather slowly, yeah. but especially the second half, it really did start to pick up. I mean, did, uh, uh, do you have? Were you able to draw any impressions? Because they really didn't weren't in place in a competitive. They wanted to scrimmage more. Actually, they kept yeah. saying, but they were only in one real competitive situation in a game situation. Your impressions of that scrimmage? Well, I'd like to give you one, but I had the flu bug over the last couple of days, so I wasn't at the scrimmage. You know what? I, I yeah. But, well, I'm going to say because I didn't see you on the bench, and I thought that you were, you, you know, because there were a bunch of guys in the red wing box, so you didn't yeah. see it at all. No, but from what I've heard. Um, you know they liked it. I think the score was two to one. It was. I thought the goal. Uh, they said the goaltenders played well. Um, you know, uh, I can't really comment on the, right. no, no, that's on, fine on the players. But we did a two on two drill today, where it was competitive, and um, you know there we got to see some of the skill work of some of the forwards. So um, I just know that from a manager's point of view, they're happy with the way the camp went, and they're happy with the people we had here. When uh, one final question, and you know you're about to get in your car, maybe hopefully have a little uh, uh, R and R here for yeah. a few days. Uh, although I'm sure you know NHL teams are probably going to be bringing your your phone and all that kind of stuff, and you know it never stops. But um, you know you, you're sitting on the front porch or whatever, you know, just having you know a cold beverage, and somebody you know your neighbor comes up to you and says, "Oh, Todd, you're back. Hey, how's it going?" And, what was development camp like? What would you tell them? What, how would you describe your experience? I'll, I'll just tell them it was excellent. You know, we always like working with the young kids. I think everybody gets excited to see what's coming up through the pipeline. Um, I thought it was ran well. I, I, I liked our talent a lot. I liked our size. That's what we talked about before. But uh, it was it was a, a very good camp, and I think if you talk to some of the players, they'll say that they got educated this this uh, week and. Um, you know, here we're, these, these camps we build relationships uh, with these players and the players do uh, because a lot of these players will be coming back from consecutive camps so that's where this uh, this uh, team mentality starts but uh, if I told my neighbor or all I tell my neighbor is that the camp went great. Great. Uh, Todd Nelson, head coach of Grand Rapids Griffins uh, for how long we really don't know but uh, uh, but I appreciate it. You've always given me a lot of time, and I know you want to get the heck out of here. Yeah. It's the last day, but to give us uh, 
so much of your time today at the end of, of this development camp. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on the Red and White Authority. All right, thanks for having me.